The opinions and views expressed on this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. For more information about this show or other programs on KUCI, please log on to KUCI.org for the latest program. The Heather McCoy Show. Yes, it is a Heather McCoy show. Welcome to it. And um, we're see midway through the show. We'll be talking about I don't know parental expectations. That's a good thing to talk about after last weekend. And then uh, rounding out the hour, we'll be talking to Robert Larson. He'll be joining us from the other side of the Cleveland National Forest. But first, we'll start our Tuesday morning off like we do every Tuesday morning with our uh, regular contributor, the blogger behind FieldofSchemes.com, Neil DeMoss. And welcome to the show, Neil. If it's Tuesday, it must be me. Yeah, if it's Tuesday, it must be you. It's a great way to start off a Tuesday. It's very funny and educational at the same time. Um, That's my goal, to be funny and educational. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so well, we last week we talked about uh, the Edmonton Oilers and their owners, Daryl Katz, who racked up Frankfurt Fire Myers playing footsie with Seattle and their potential their arena. Uh, this week, he issued an apology, non-apology, stating, I'm fighting to keep a deal that will enable this team to stay in Edmonton and not because I want them to be anywhere else. Um, is this what they teach kids in college and public relations classes? And <laughs> is know, this an you, effective tactic? Want, sorry, go ahead. Oh, uh, sorry. Is this an effective tactic? Yeah, if you want funny and educational, you really can't do better than Daryl Cash, <laughs> right? Because this is a guy who, like, I don't know how many years he's been trying to get this arena, but it's been several. And he comes out and he asks for public money, and the city offers to give him public money, and then he says, no, no, I want more public money. And they say, okay, we'll give you more public money. And he says, no, I need more public money. And they say, oh, well, okay, maybe. And he says, no, wait, I need more public money, but I'm not going to tell you how much. Yeah. And then finally the city box, then he flies to Seattle to, you know, like sort of, I guess, Put up, you know, up the pressure so that people are going to think that he's he's moving the team to Seattle and is confused when everyone gets mad at him for this. <laughs> yeah, and then issues this apology, saying, you know, well, I'm sorry, I I did, I took for granted the Edmonton fan base, but then says, well, and my hope is that we can arrange, uh, we can we can uh, get a deal that will allow me to keep the team in town, which is. Again, a veiled threat. <laughs> yeah. well, and he still won't, won't come out and actually say what it is he's demanding in public, only behind closed doors. So, uh, you know, the, I keep going back to this, but the, the quote from years and years ago from Jerry Reinsdorf, the owner of the Chicago White Sox, uh, years after he had flown down to Tampa when Tampa didn't have a baseball team, and just flown down there and flown back, um, and they, somebody asked him, you know, were you ever really serious about moving the team to Tampa? And he said... A savvy negotiator creates leverage. Yeah. Um, and that's the game, right? Yeah. But you can play it well, or you can play it really <laughs> ham-fistedly. And Daryl Katz seems to be falling on the ham-fisted side. But, uh, you know, at the same time, he's got a mayor who generally is in favor of giving him a whole bunch of money, if not necessarily as much as he wants. Yeah. So it's not like um, he's necessarily completely screwed himself out of out of a subsidy, but 
it hasn't been a good week for him. No. Is the pony included or not right now? <laughs> he won't say. <laughs> he won't... He's got this deadline now of October 17th when he's got to come up and say, you know, exactly what is it that you want? And it's just amazing that he won't even come out in public and make a demand. I guess, you know, if he makes a demand, then maybe he's afraid he won't be able to come back and say he wants something else later. Yeah, yeah, I'm not sure. Well, um, meanwhile, uh, the New York parking garages that treat, uh, that service, on paper anyways, the New York Yankee fans attending games at New Yankee Stadium, uh, now, according to a security filing, they are uh, up to. They actually they can't pay two hundred forty million dollars in tax exempt debt. It's a train wreck that you predicted back in two thousand seven. How bad will this damage the New York Treasury since they're the ones going to be liable for any losses to the parking garages? I actually predicted this back in two thousand five, but oh. um, some other other folks have been following it since around then. Um, you know, basically what they did is the the. The state put up a bunch of money. I think it was like sixty million um, that uh, towards these new parking garages that the Yankees swore that they needed. This was part of the reason that they needed a new stadium and needed to move, you know, build in a public park. And they built two new parking garages in a public park. Uh, sorry, three new parking garages in a public park. And um, they, uh, they, uh, you know, the idea was. There was going to be this weird, like, nonprofit shell corporation that was going to be running it, and there's public bonds, but it was all going to get paid back because everybody was going to rush to pay $25 a car to park in this thing. Yeah. Turns out not. Um, <laughs> you know, Yankee Stadium, you can get to fine by public transit, and um, if, even if you want to drive, there's plenty of other places to park for less than that. So then they weren't making enough money, so then they raised the price of parking, which really didn't go over well. Um, yeah. So now you've got the situation where the bonds are going to go into default, and the good news is that it's the sucker bondholders who have, are going to uh, uh, take most of the, the hit on this because they bought the bonds thinking people were actually going to pay to park in these garages, and now you know either it looks like the company is going to go bankrupt um, or the uh, the uh, they're going to have to have to renegotiate the bonds. Um, what the city loses is these garages were supposed to pay a couple million dollars a year, and it was going to scale up with inflation in rent. Uh-huh. And as long as the garages aren't making any money, and now it looks like they're never going to, um, they don't have to pay that. So that winds up being a hit of about $43 million to the city, yeah. which, you know, on the one hand, the city is putting out so many hundreds of millions of dollars towards the stadium that it's kind of a small amount. Yeah, it's $43 million. It would have been nice to have. Um, and uh, it's something that was counted on in all the city's cost-benefit analyses. You know, they were saying, oh, no, no, you know, you're, you're making it sound like it was a terrible deal, but we're getting all this stuff back, including $43 million in, uh, in rent from the garages. Turns out not so much. Who, who buys bonds for a parking garage? Is it in, like institutional investors, like pension funds, thinking it's a safe bet? Or I don't know who would buy a bond for such a thing. You know, I don't know. I mean, I guess it 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 was uh, city debt, so I believe it was uh, yeah, it was city debt and a nonprofit, so it was tax exempt. So maybe you're looking for something that you can invest in and uh, you know avoid a tax hit. Um, yeah. And presumably the bond prospectus made it sound like this is a sure thing, um, but uh, yeah, it doesn't seem like the brightest investment in retrospect. And again, if anybody had been reading me or Pat Arden or New York Metro or anybody back in the day. They would have gotten their warnings. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, like, how much in taxpayer subsidies has this quote "no taxpayer subsidies" New York new 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 York uh, Yankee Stadium has received to date? 
Oh man, it was up around 1.1 billion last I looked. Um, oh I think god! This, I don't think I don't think this rounded up to 1.2 yet, but it's getting close. Um, and you know, there's just it, lots of little things. There's property tax abatements. There's free land. There's you know a couple hundred million dollars. I think it may be close to 300 million now. The city paid to rebuild new parks to replace the old ones that they let the Yankees build the stadium on top of. And then, you know, there's stuff that you can't count, like there's about six years when people in the Bronx had no park to play in. Yeah. Um, and uh, that's not a cost in monetary terms, but um, I think a lot of the folks in the Bronx would say that's one of the worst things that came out of this. Yeah, it, it's a being a good neighbor factor, and the Yankees haven't been that. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Um, and we may be about to go through this uh, side note. We may be about to go through it all over again because now they're talking about building a soccer stadium in a public park in Queens. Yeah. Say, no, no, no. We're going to replace all the parkland. But, you know, when they're going to do it, nobody knows. The MLS park in Queens. Yeah. Yeah. There's a, there's a uh, nice New York Times piece out today um, talking to people in Queens who, shockingly, are more concerned about the fact that they're not going to have a park for a while or, you know, have a, Ever. Little, a lot less park for a while <laughs> than that, ooh, we may get to go and watch soccer games uh, yeah. sometime in the future. We get to see the Dave, age David Beckham. Yay! You know. Oh, by the time there's a team, David Beckham will gone. long since be... Uh, <laughs> if he's still playing, that will be a very, very sad sight. Yeah, it would be. Uh, despite the 2012 election not being quite over yet, the Buffalo News has a breaking story that the 2006 presidential campaign for uh, a possible candidate, New York City or New York Governor Andrew Cuomo, depends on uh, if he gives the green light to spending public money on stadium upgrades for the Buffalo Bills. Uh, does this type of stadium cheerleading in a newspaper actually shift public opinion polls, or does it provide an astroturf premise or backing for politicians who are looking to do a vote like this anyway for a major like uh, renovating? I think more the latter. I think it gives him cover, you know, yeah. um, in that instead he knows that if he comes out and and uh, you know announces a you know big uh, subsidy for the bills, that instead of the newspapers getting all over him and saying why are you giving you know large amounts of money to this giant profitable corporation, they're going to say wow this really enhances your 2016 presidential chances. Um, so it makes him look. <laughs> wait, that isn't actually much better. It makes him seem craven as opposed to uh, as opposed to just stupid. But I guess. Craven is stupid. <laughs> yeah, it is. Um, yeah, I mean, it's the kind of thing we see way too often. You know, there's a slow news day, and they and some you know newspaper runs a piece that's either about like why it's a politically good to uh, to uh, you know uh, give money to this team, even though I mean their argument was ridiculous. It was basically, well, he has very little support in Western New York, which didn't even stop him from having a landslide for governor, much less has stopped him from, you know, <laughs> winning New York is, is in a presidential race. I mean, you can't... Yeah. I, I don't think you can be breathing in a Democrat and not win New York in a presidential <laughs> race. So. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, since we're... Another topic we really haven't talked about a lot is uh, since we're currently in another NHL lockout, unfortunately, uh, can you explain the economics behind the lockout from both a fan's perspective of buying other things with their disposable income? And what happens to stadium bondholders and teams' leasing agreements during a lockout? Um, in terms of economics, you know, in terms of, like, I mean, this... Every year we saw this last year with the with the NBA uh, lockout, right? You know, there was all these articles saying, "Oh, it's going to hurt the local economies so much." It doesn't hurt the local economies mostly. Um, you know, th- it'll hurt obviously people who are beer vendors or whatever at the arena, um, but mostly that money gets spent somewhere else. Um, 
you know, again, a little bit less if you're in a city where there's a lot of folks who get drawn in from the suburbs um, by the NHL. Mm-hmm. So people who will otherwise be, you know, staying local and spending in the suburbs other than the, than the cities. But there's, there's no evidence that people spend more money and the economy, the overall economy, you know, um, is boosted just because people have to go buy hockey tickets. When people buy hockey tickets, usually they're not buying something else. Yeah. Um, in terms of leases, it all depends on what's on the, in the individual leases. You know, I think most of them say um, that uh, that they only have to pay if they're if they're playing. But I'm sure there's some with it, but that's not the case. Um, and like I said, every lease is is different. Yeah. Um, so uh, you know, uh, I think uh, it's most most of the talk about like economic effects of the of the of any kind of work stoppage are, are overblown. But again. There's occasionally a case where, you know, if some municipality has a big lease payment they have to make and suddenly there's not money coming in. Um, you know, let's say you've got like a sales, you're paying for it with like a sales tax in the arena district, right? Uh-huh. That's clearly going to hurt because that's yeah. really not going to happen now. Even if the sales tax is somewhere else, um, that money then doesn't flow into the, the arena fund. So during last year's NFL lockout, they, I think I read a few stories where Jerry Jones is on the hook for a lot of money with the new Cowboys stadium. Would he have been like taking a really big loss if the NFL didn't play last year just because of his situation with that stadium? Or right, is it, he, he put up a fair bit of money for that. Yeah. Um, yeah, yes and no. I mean, yes, it would have been a big hit. But on the other hand, um, you know, what kind of – uh, collective bargaining agreement the NFL gets is going to make a huge difference for someone like Jerry Jones, right? Because yeah. he's the guy who's going to be be spending a whole lot of money if uh, if suddenly player salaries are going up. So you know, he, it, it's always interesting to me to see sort of the the divisions among owners and who ends up being uh, you know the hardliners and who ends up being the let's let's cut a deal guys. Um, and sometimes it just has to do with personality and politics, and sometimes it has to do with um, who is you know, who has the most at risk. Um, and, uh, you know, I think with the, the NHL right now, the big problem is that they've got this ridiculous uh, model where you've got a whole bunch of teams, basically all these all the places they expanded to, or a lot of the places they expanded to in the Sun Belt, um, you know, are really hurting. Yeah. And as is typical, when a sports league has a problem of how to divide revenue amongst the teams, the first thing they do is say, Let's just take it out of the players' hides. <laughs> that way, we don't have to, figure, you know, argue yeah. ourselves. If we just, you know, get them to accept the cut in salaries, then we'll have plenty of money to pay off the teams that are hurting, and we don't have to take it away from, you know, the rich teams. Yeah. Um, so since uh, it seems to, um, <laughs> it seems to have landed in your hate neighborhood, that is the big brown turd known as Barclays <laughs> Center in Brooklyn. How's it going in Brooklyn so far? Um. Uh, well- just down there yesterday, and um, there was not a terrible traffic tie-up. So at least that was uh, that was promising. Uh-huh. It hasn't been too horrible lately. There's been some complaints that um, the the noise you can actually hear the sound of music from inside the arena and the neighboring streets, which is sort of a problem. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's kind of I could sort of understand that because there's a very open. I mean, it's hard to picture this thing. It's like a giant rust brown spaceship, (laughs) like weirdly organically shaped spaceship um, um, that landed there. But there's a lot of windows where you can sort of get glimpses into the inner bowl. So it's possible sounds coming out that way. Um, There's been a lot of problems where they didn't really figure out the pedestrian access, so people are spilling out onto the streets afterwards. Um, 
And, you know, the big question at this point, I think, that everyone's asking is, what's it going to mean for um, uh, parking and transit and things like that? Yeah. And, um, it's sitting, again, great location, right on top of a bunch of subway lines, but people are still going to drive. And um, this, if anyone knows, uh, knows sort of Brooklyn in that, in Brownstone, Brooklyn, there's nowhere to park. I mean, there's never anywhere to park. And yeah. it's going to be just chaos if people are, are coming and trying to park and circling for blocks. Um, so far, so good. Um, you know, it's, again, it hasn't been a disaster, but uh, uh, people, I think, are, are still antsy. And I, I cannot describe to you how ugly this thing is. I mean, <laughs> I, 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 I'm not you know, necessarily a fan of new, new arena architecture, but the, the rust brown really adds a new dimension. <laughs> Well, the booming bass sounds like it's a problem because it's. I think it was described as a very large SUV. I can't imagine being around that for very long. I mean, I have, you know, problems with people's home theater systems in my apartment, let alone you know Barclays Center right across the street. Yeah, it's it's not going to be fun to live next to. I have to say that, I, and that's actually an important issue because the whole way that they sold this thing was. This arena is going to be the anchor for this big development with all these big uh, uh, housing towers, like condo towers with, with affordable housing built in. And um, first of all, they haven't started on any of them. But you really have to wonder who is going to want to live there if, you know, you're going to hear, like, you know, bass pumping into your, your uh, apartment <laughs> every time there's a concert there. It's a serious problem. And, uh Again, I haven't heard that for myself. I've just heard it secondhand. But, yeah. it, you know, they, I don't know, they may end up having to put up, like, more acoustical stuff inside or something to try and keep that sound in. Yeah. Right, it, does, it, it does kind of sound like it's a big SUV. Yeah. With the two arenas in New York now, how is Madison Square Garden's business going to be affected? Um, you know, MSG has such a tremendous business. I mean, they, I don't think they're going to be hurting for acts. I think what might happen is, um, and there's been some speculation about this, that um, the Barclays Center will give uh, Act a little bit more leverage, so they won't have to pay as much to MSG, um, and you know they might be able to, uh, you know, pick the dates that they want rather than just have being told, well, here's when the next managers are playing. You know, you can play on the Tuesday when they happen to be off. Yeah. Um, so, um, you know, it's certainly good from a fan perspective, uh, a music fan perspective, that you might have a few more options. Um, I don't know that you'll necessarily see the price, you know, if there's any price savings for ACT. I don't know if they'll pass it along to, uh, to uh, ticket buyers. Um, but uh, it's really interesting because um, MSG really did not do anything to stand in the way of getting the Barclays Center built in Brooklyn. Oh, okay. And I think they sort of thought, well, you know, there's plenty of room for both of us. Yeah. Um, maybe they were right, but um, I'm, I'm wondering if that was a dumb move. Again, um, we always assume that uh, sports team owners do things because, you know, because of rational reasons, but if you've followed Cablevision's ownership of Madison Square Garden and the Knicks anytime lately, <laughs> you'll know that rationality is not something they're ever accused of. Isaiah Thomas is the best executive ever. I th- yeah, maybe Isaiah Thomas was the guy. They, they asked Isaiah, hey, you think it'd be a problem if there's like a competing arena across town? He's like, no, no, no. <laughs> That'll be cool. Oh, wow. So um, thanks again for joining us. Uh, uh, my guest has been Neil DeMoss from the blog at com. That's where his work can be read, and he updates it daily pretty much, right? Pretty much, yeah. yeah. Um, except when I'm uh, completely un- overwhelmed with work or on the road or something, but I try to get something up every day. Yeah, it's a really awesome blog site. Thanks for joining us on the show, Neil. All right, talk to you. Okay, uh, this is The Heather McCoy Show.